I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I am joined this afternoon by Patel Patron, the author of the Devolution series. Patel, how are you, my friend? Doing, doing good, Chris. How are you doing? I'm, I'm well. Uh, you're feeling better. Yeah, a little better. I, my, my wife had COVID and my kids were sick. My mom had COVID, and then I started getting a little congested, so I got a little worried. But um, I feel good now, so so we're you, good. I think I avoided it. Did you uh, did you do one of the tests? Did you find out if you actually had it, or did you no. just like went straight to the treatment and now you're on the other side? Exactly. I just uh, I got this. Um, gosh, what's it called? I can't even say quercetin bromelain. Yeah, yeah. yeah I started yeah, yeah. taking this, and it, it yeah, like I was better almost in like 24 hours. Congratulations. You have a, uh, you have the immune system of a, a, of an ox. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Um, so, okay. So I want to, uh, do kind of a look back a year plus later, um, at the transition integrity project and we'll get into some of that. But before that, why don't you just go ahead and tell everybody what devolution is and maybe a good place to lead into that is what does the word devolution specifically mean in this context? Like, why is it called the process that you are writing about? Why is it called devolution? Yeah, that's, um, that's a good question. So devolution itself, it's, it's a real continuity of government plan and it's essentially devolving authority from the highest level, like you know, in the situation I'm writing about, it's it's Trump devolving his authority down to uh, through the DOD to the to the military to essentially take care of uh, what they call mission essential functions. We don't really know what those are, but it could be the power grid. It could be, um, you know, just protecting us from invasion. We don't know. But it's a continuity of government um, plan that I believe Trump had to put into place to, to walk away from the election. And it, it, the reason he had to walk away was kind of something that came out of the tip report. So it's, it's a good, good topic to get into. But uh, you know, I started writing about this, started researching it, and I found all, th- there's just so many things that that point to this happening and this being real. So, um, it, yeah, devolution, it, it's real. There, there's there's plenty of, um, you know, military or government documents out there. there. There's one army pamphlet I found that had the word devolution in it 41 times. So, I mean, <clears throat> so no devolution is an entirely real concept, <clears throat> and you are more or less writing about how. You're writing about the evidence that would indicate that that concept, that process is active right now in the United States and that Donald Trump activated this process before leaving office as a way to counteract what I think we would both agree and describe as a slow moving coup. Exactly. 
Yep. Okay. I mean, you said said better than I did, and and really, it comes down to uh, what he was up against his entire first term, if you look at it. And this is what I wrote about in my latest article, which is why the tip report is so relevant. Again, too, is he was facing a color revolution. His entire first term was, was against the same people who put put on color revolutions in the Eastern European states. From our own State Department, they were doing it against him here at home domestically. And so, I mean. It, in order to take out an enemy like that, I mean, when you have everything against you, you need something unique and something powerful, and but it has to be legal too. So, and that's what devolution is. It's it's a real legal continuity of government plan that I, I really believe he used to to counter everything. Okay, so let's actually that was a good way to describe that as a uh, color revolution as opposed to what we normally consider a coup, which is historically the takeover of a military or the military itself overturning the government. A color revolution is supposed to look like a natural movement of the people in the process of regime change. And we have used that around the world to change regimes into the regimes that we ostensibly want. And by we, I mean, I guess what we have to mean is the globalist, global communist uh, segments of our government, the CIA, the State Department, um, these uh, agencies and groups and people who are operating with this larger plan around the world about how we can uh, have larger control, broader control than just America. It's funny. I actually think that I've described it this way on the podcast before, but this is a process of colonization of other nations under a different name you know we are we are against colonization but what are we doing if we are uh, disrupting the true flow of politics in another country and replacing their leader with a leader that will go along with what those in power want out of that country and that's what we see happening all over the world yeah i mean it's it's happening in many places and it's it's crazy how many people are i mean it's the same people it's it's the george soros funding these organizations to you know to riot and then it's the, our own uh, state department that's involved in all this stuff and it, it's all about getting a leader in there that will will play ball and i'm sure it has something to do with you know some sort of corruption you know they want to be able to get a leader in there that they're going to be able to get kickbacks from and send their money over there and whatnot so it's just gross and and it was when you look back at, at trump's first term it it really becomes so obvious how I mean, how they 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 literally use the same playbook here at home, and it culminated with with that tip report, and that's why I'm glad we're going to be talking on that today because um, it, it, when you look back at the tip report and how many things came true, and exactly, it's just remarkable. Yeah. Um. And before we get into that, though, so there are some countries around the world where this where the color revolutions have happened before, or yep. things that are similar and uh, carried out by the same people. And I would point right now, I think that that's what's happening in Peru. It's pretty clear that that's what's happening in Myanmar. Uh, I think Belarus is one of the more recent uh, countries where it was attempted, right? Ukraine. And then people often point to uh, what's referred to as the Arab Spring in the same way because that was the similar, um, I guess, what do you call it? It's uh, DARPA developed technology and processes by which they can influence um the genuinely the will of the people they're using these widespread disinformation campaigns in they will set up 
systems of influence to guide the opinions of a nation and propaganda. Exactly. And uh, maybe you can point to some of that in America, some examples that you would see during Trump's time in office uh, that would point to the presence of that color revolution already begun before he left. Yeah, well, I think one of the one of the big things is they they try to frame the incumbent leader as as kind of a lame duck. Like it's there's literally a playbook that they have for these color revolutions. The the first one uh, we'll, we'll just go through. There's four there's four steps, and I think I can pretty much nail down each one of these as to what they did against Trump. So Great. the incumbent the incumbent leader of the regimes must be very unpopular and face the so called lame dunk, duck syndrome. Before Trump even took office, they were already framing him as the least popular president in history. And if you're the the fake news media and you own the polls and run the polls. You can twist those however you want. And so his entire presidency, they tried to frame him as the, the least popular president of all time. And so they fit number one right right away. Yeah, it's is, amazing. Like everything he did, none of it was good. Yeah. And that's what we were told. The actual life in the country got better and better as he was in office. And we were continually told it was getting worse and worse to the point where at the end of 2019, the economy was amazing. Like many things yep. in America were going great. And then of course, what happened? Then we get COVID, COVID because yep. you have to, you have to make Trump untenable. Otherwise everybody just knows there's no way that Trump is going to lose reelection and everything, everything hinged on there being a story that they could justify a Trump loss with. Okay, go ahead. Yep. Let's hear number two. Yeah. Number number two, the anti-regime forces are enforced by mass media and foreign influences. So you look at the media and everything they did again. I mean, there wasn't one positive news story from any of the mainstream media, mm. except maybe Fox News. But then also the foreign influences. You look at, at George Soros and how much money he has involved in in our politics. I mean, he's buying at the local levels. He's buying um, people on school boards. He's buying local AGs, all sorts of stuff, all the way up to how much he's donated to political campaigns. And so, I mean, clearly that the, the media and foreign influences were everywhere in our election throughout the entire um, the entire first term. And then you can even look at how much foreign influence there was in, in painting the the Russian narrative, you know, that, that Trump was a, a colluding with Russia, which I pl that played a big part. And that actually leads to number three. The revolution must not be ideological. It must be for the sake of better national integration, freedom, democracy, economic development. And so how many times did you hear Democrats say, you know, this is for the sake of our democracy. We have to get right. Trump out of office. I mean, it's constantly. So there again, number three of the playbook. Number four, the anti-regime anti-regime forces should be also motivated by the grievances on the corrupted government, which is supported by a foreign state, which the people do not desire. And this is where Russia comes in. They yeah. tried to paint that Russian narrative. Trump, Trump sees a Russian asset. You know, he's selling this out to Russia. Again, all the fake media, it all ties together. But but clearly, they were following the same playbook step by step throughout his entire first term. And it started before he was even elected when they started that, that Russia hoax. It really is incredible. And, you know, in terms of foreign influence, you list in part 12, a bunch of the different um, aspects of that. Do you yeah. also, you know, what you were just talking about right there, it occurs to me that to set up the, the Russia hoax and what we're finding out now through Durham you know, the, they had Christopher Steele, George Stephanopoulos had him on Hulu the other night. And that process, as it happened and as it got to 
eventually the FBI. It had to be kind of laundered through multiple organizations because the FBI can't do foreign stuff. The CIA is not supposed to be doing domestic stuff. And so what we had is uh, aspects of different intelligence communities from Australia and the UK, part of Five mm-hmm. Eyes, which are supposed to be like our, like for our benefit, right? But yep. what we have is these five, the Five Eyes countries, which are uh, the United States, Canada, uh, the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, right? Did I yep. do that right? Yep. Okay. So. And so what they continually do is basically launder the ability to monitor their own citizens by way of pushing it through one of the other countries. They're yep. totally kind of evading what the the laws are to make it possible to spy on American citizens. That part of it is absolutely sick. And the FISA courts, whatever. We don't have to get into all of that. So yeah. let's so let's uh, let's draw it back around to the Transition Integrity Project. Yeah. Um, do you want to go ahead and set that up? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a that's almost a tough one to even set up. There, there's there's <laughs> a lot that's involved here because there's there's a group, the um, Protect Democracy, who who funded it, and this the Transition Integrity Project kind of stemmed off of that group. And that's mm-hmm. a George Soros funded group. It's got Zuckerberg that funds it. There's all sorts of left-leaning people who fund it. So right off the bat, this whole thing is funded by left-wing liberals and people who want Trump out of office. Then you look at who's who are the two actual founders of it. It's um, Rosa Brooks, who's got ties to Soros. She actually worked for the Open Society Foundation. And she wrote many articles. I mean, within a month of Trump being elected, she was talking about impeaching him and the military throwing him out. And then, um, uh, oh shoot, I can't think of the next name. And Rosa Brooks actually wrote up a uh, piece in the Washington Post after the Transition Integrity Project report came out so that she could kind of summarize the entire thing and lay out what the true threat was. Because the, you know, the outcome of this, the way that they used it in public communications was that all of these terrible things were going to happen in the period after the election. And we need to tell you that all of these things will happen so that we can prevent them from happening. Yeah. Yeah. They did, they did four, four war game scenarios. Right. And everybody that was involved, there's like a hundred of them. We only know maybe about 10 or 15, but they're all, I mean, they're either left wingers or, or never Trumpers, you know, the ones that are considered Republicans were clearly against Trump, but yeah, like team Trump, as they set it up for the war games was like, uh, the former head of the RNC, Michael Steele, who's basically just a paid contributor to MSNBC now. And there was yep. like Bill Crystal, I think the uh, the former Republican secretary of state of Kentucky. His name was Trey Grayson. Trey Grayson. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, at this point, secretaries of state, if they are Republican and they are aligned with this agenda, they are almost all involved with an organization called the National Association of Secretaries of State. And this is all part of that soros project to basically put soros representatives in every level of government you look around right now one of the biggest problems in this uh post-election period trying to deal with election fraud is getting through all of these republican soros representatives who are just republican by name really republican in name only yep no it's so true i mean we're we're struggling in georgia i mean that's those secretaries of states are really cost trump the election when you think about it what they exactly they didn't do i mean it was terrible but yeah then you have like donna brazil bill crystal um max boot david Frum, all these yeah i mean clearly never trumpers that are against and that were part of this tip project so yeah i mean should we walk through the four games the four war games 
Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Let's do that because it's it's really interesting. First, let's just talk about what the four scenarios are because the sure. one scenario that they didn't bother with at all is Trump actually being popular and winning. Yeah, they just they just knew somehow by the polling and by the way they communicated. <laughs> There's no way that Trump could ever have a sweeping victory. They did not mention in this that Trump might have a much bigger vote total than he did in 2016. But yeah. we think Biden's is going to be even bigger. Like that's what <laughs> happened. And they didn't address the potential for that scenario. Right? Yeah, no, they, they didn't. Everything ended with, with Biden ending up in office. That that's what was hilarious right. about this whole thing. Right. Right. So the first one was the, the result was amb ambiguous. And what was it? They, uh, the results from three States are in contention. I mean, neither campaign is willing to concede blah 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 but it ends with biden being put in office mm -hmm. game two clear biden victory biden wins the electoral college and popular vote trump alleges fraud takes steps to benefit himself and his family but ultimately hands the white house over to biden that is probably the one that that it supposedly played out that way biden mm -hmm. won the electoral college and and the popular vote um with trump alleging fraud uh game three was the it was a clear trump win but this one was interesting because biden refused to concede Right. He convinced the Democrat governors of the, some states to to send different slates of electors, um, and eventually the House representatives certified the election for Biden. So, yes, if if that would happen for Trump, if you think about it, back on on January sixth, I mean, how, how would they have framed that? It's incredible. It's incredible because in this in this document, they give every justification that people like us discuss. People who are uh, clear eyed about the fact that the election was a total and complete fraud. Yep. Every one of the arguments that we make about how the process could have gone differently is laid out here in a way that benefits uh, oh, Joe Biden and the Democrats. You know, on, on page three of the uh, Transition Integrity Project report, there's a footnote down at the bottom, uh, footnote number two. It says yeah. the Transition Integrity Project recognizes and shares the view that the Electoral College is profoundly anti-democratic and that numerous longstanding practices also function to create structural biases in our voting system. For present purposes, however, these constraints are treated as givens. Oh, well, that's nice. That's so charitable of them to <laughs> allow us to continue talking as if the Constitution matters, even though we right. all know it doesn't. Yeah, and every one of these scenarios, they basically throw the Constitution out the window. Like exactly. The, the last one was uh, Biden narrowly won with less than 1% of the popular vote. Trump uh, campaign sows chaos. And then this, but the Senate Republicans and the Joint Chiefs of Staff eventually signal that they accept a Biden win, and then he has to be re removed by Secret Service. So how how ridiculous is that? I mean, every one of these scenarios was basically working in Biden's favor. And then the the reason I think this tip report is so important and why Trump actually had to walk away, even though he clearly won the election, was because this was basically threatening violence in the streets. If you look at it, right. it was like right. the, the very end of it said, the purpose of this report is not to frighten, but to spur all stakeholders to action. Yeah. And so I think they were fully prepared to, you know, take violence in the streets. You have BLM and Antifa. And I think that's why Trump has essentially had to walk away after, after uh, the 20th. Well, I have often described the situation. Uh, I, I think that there are 
are two goals ultimately to what's happening right now. And the first is to rid the country of this um, entrenched corruption. You know, you can call it the deep state or whatever. I mean, obviously, the deep state is descriptive of a bunch of it. But the problem goes well beyond just the deep state. There is entrenched corruption throughout our society, not just in, you know, in the mechanics of politics, but it's in our culture. It's in our corporations. It's in the tech companies. And they're all working hand in hand at this point. I mean, that is something we have to remove. Absolutely all of that. And in addition to that, we have to to complete the mission successfully. Do all of that without sparking a civil war, because the only purpose is to preserve the American constitutional republic. If we don't come out of this with the Constitution and with our country intact, then the mission is ultimately a failure on some level. You know what I mean? Because if everything is wrecked, you create all these void spaces where corruption can just fill the gaps back in. Yep. And that has to be avoided. You know, I look at uh, I look at World War Two as uh, a parallel. You know, it's clear that I, I, I'll say we uh, <laughs> the intention was for us to defeat this historical evil. But I'm not sure that job was ever fully finished, you know. No. Like Nazis and Nazism ended up just spreading out to the rest of the world. There were American interests, American corporate interests that were aligned with much of that Nazi cause, especially earlier on in the process. And that stuff all remained intact. And we can see where it has led us. I mean, it's been, you know, 75, 80 years, but we're kind of right back in that. And so this- This, it's like, you got to wipe out the whole thing. You got to wipe out the whole thing, and we have to do that without our society breaking down. And so, you know, with what you're saying, that uh, Trump wanted to be able to do this without the violence in the streets, it's clear with the work that they did that that is what they intended. And the Molly Ball article from Time backs that up as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was just almost like the, the, I mean... I mean, the cherry on top that that time article that came out afterwards and it laid this whole thing out exactly how they did it and it laid out all the the, the nazi corporations that you're talking about everybody that was involved <laughs> no. i mean it's crazy but but how do you how do you rid yourself of, a, of an enemy like that i mean you have to expose them completely and that's exactly what yep. trump did by leaving he, he walks away and he lets us see exactly what these people want for us and for, and for our country and uh, and, and I think it's it's waking a lot of people up. More people are waking up by the day with every move that the Biden administration makes. And I think that's what Trump's goal is. You know, I don't know when he plan- he's planning his comeback, but whenever it is, it's going to be at the point of kind of max wokeness. You know what I mean? Max red pill. And do you so this is obviously going to tangent off the transition integrity project, but I, I, I like how you talk about that. Like Trump is going to have a comeback moment. Is that what you foresee? Because I'm not sure exactly how I see it progressing i think that there are a few different scenarios but but give me yours as far as him coming back yeah like how do you how do you think that that'll play out do you think it's just one day trump's going to be like hey everybody here's what it is (laughs) you know i I don't know see i've been from day one that's the only part of this that i'm I'm not sure how it's going to go down it's it's all just based on my speculation i i'm i'm almost 100% confident that devolution is real and he's he's yeah. put us in the situation. It's just a matter of how he reveals it. I don't think it's going to be Trump making the reveal, but I think it'll be the military or something. But but I do think, you know, it, it's going to have to be 
whether it's the the default of of our nations, you know, financially, or I still think we need to see uh, one of our audits show us a real vote count. So I think if, if we see how, sh- you know, our country's gone to shit, and if we see that it's gone to shit based on somebody that got elected that shouldn't be there, which, I mean, we all know it, but we need to see it, I think that's going to kind of be what tips it off, and then they can show that Trump implemented this devolution plan, and, and you know, there's a couple different things about it. I theorized that Trump actually suspended the electoral college vote. But there's a lot of people that, you know, in my in my chat group that, you know, he might not have even needed to do that because if how many members of Congress were illegitimate, yeah. too. I mean, know? honestly, I mean, the I, whole thing could have been illegitimate. I think that every single person who is in public office at any level who had any involvement with the election or the counting of votes, or the certification of any of it, any one of them who did not object I think is as guilty of treason as yep. the most treasonous person. And, you know, if that requires 350 people from the current House of Representatives being gone, if it requires 94 senators being gone, it is what it is. Yep. You know what I mean? Every single one of them had a chance to stand up and be heard and voice their position. Now, is it possible that? them not standing up was part of the plan. See that that's where you get into those, those really difficult to answer questions about what the morality of it is, you know, because ultimately to have a plan like this work and be successful, the people are going to have to understand the morality of each and every step, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's tough. I mean, you don't know how Trump did this, how many people were in the know. I mean, there, there's speculation that the Supreme Court might even know about this, but they let, you know, they didn't accept any of those lawsuits because they wanted to play out to get to this point. Mm-hmm. How long was Trump planning for this and how, you know, how much uh, did he know from day one that he was going to have to implement devolution? I mean, if you look at some of those lawsuits even that, uh, you know, Sidney Powell brought brought forth, I mean, they were kind of garbage, honestly, if you ask me. They they didn't really have a chance. So, yeah, I mean, were there, were there senators that knew that this was fraudulent but were told to, to, to let, let it go through anyway you, you don't know you don't know who knows about this and um it's interesting however it plays out it, I, I don't know man it's, it's all speculation at this point it's i don't know when or how but um I, I am convinced that he's he's got it in control so i have a uh i have a pet theory that i'm not sure i'm entirely convinced by but i enjoy thinking about it and Let's seeing it. if it ever gets uh any support in my brain you know like <laughs> I'll, I'll well i'll have i'll have theories about how i think things may turn out and when i see real events transpire i try to think about whether or not those real events you know support my theories and so one of them actually is you know in terms of with with those two goals in mind right with ridding the country of the corruption and restoring the integrity of our elections blah 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 all of that goes into the one goal and preventing civil war that being the other goal so with that in mind the process for the last nine months, as it seems to me, is partly top down behind the scenes and yep. partly bottom up in public. So the devolution sandwich, I call it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a it's a balance, though, between, yep. you know, what the the Trump like white hats, like the good team, what they're doing and what the people are able to accomplish on their own. Now, if the people are able to rise up to the extent that we can restore the integrity of the elections and uh, promise 
free and fair elections where everybody's vote counts by the time the 2022 election comes around. Maybe Trump doesn't have to do anything. Maybe the military doesn't have to do anything. Maybe this just doesn't play out that way and everything looks completely natural and the country just goes back to how it's supposed to be. Now, I'm not convinced that that can actually happen or that that's the plan or that that would be satisfactory. But, you know, it's an interesting parallel in the way we believe philosophically, the way people believe religion, for instance. You know, you can have belief, you can have faith, you can see the process fully at work in a way that is convincing to you, but you're not able to convince anybody else that it's true because they don't see it in the same way. So it's entirely possible (laughs) that this entire process plays out and you and me are sitting here being like, oh yeah, this is definitely devolution playing out. What could be more obvious? And when it's all said and done, 30% of the country is going to be like, yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. And I know exactly what you mean. Like, I get that question a lot too. Like, at what point are you going to get to where you're convinced that everything in devolution isn't real, didn't happen. And I don't know if I could ever get to that point because, I mean, there's just so much that points to it. And, and like like you said, we can do a lot on from the ground level and work our way up and we can take care of our local elections. And and I think us even just completing some of these forensic audits, that's kind of we the people doing some grassroots stuff to, to fix the elections. But I think at some point, no matter what, in my opinion, it could, definitely could be wrong, but I think Trump has to to show what they did. I mean, if he has evidence of foreign interference, if he has evidence of what the highest level of our government has has done in our intelligence community and everything, all these people, the political establishment doing a color revolution to steal an election, I mean, I think he has to show it. That's how else do you get rid of get rid of the problem if you don't expose okay. it? But check this out though, because see, this is this is my counterpoint to that. <clears throat> so okay. we have we have, let's say, let's talk about the Durham stuff and Russian collusion, right? Sure. So Trump was saying exactly what happened and exactly what it is since the beginning. And some people believed him right away and could see it right away. Some people, it took a little longer. I was one of those people that took a little longer. And now, you know, maybe 70% of the country understands that Russian collusion was a complete and total hoax generated by uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign in a genuine conspiracy with Joe Biden, Barack Obama, the CIA and the FBI and foreign nations. That just is what happened. Right. But some people are never going to believe that. Now, I don't care. Obviously, they're just denying reality at all in total. But Donald Trump has been saying it from the beginning. And likewise, (laughs) with the election stuff, he has described every single thing that has happened in the elections. So if Donald Trump was to come out and say, look here, this is proof, people aren't going to believe him, which is one of the funniest things about the period we're talking about, whatever period was the deciding period to actually enact devolution rather than just go straight at it. They have been saying this stuff. People are always like, well, why why didn't they ever tell us it's like what do you mean they told us a thousand times yeah like rudy giuliani was out there with people showing us sydney powell was out there talking about it now sydney powell's uh court case may have not been up to snuff whatever that's fine but it doesn't mean that the evidence she was relaying to us was wrong she knows what she's talking about like all of these people have been saying it the entire time so 
it's really, are we judging the reality based on how many people believe it? Or are we judging the reality based on this is the reality and these people have told us. But but as part of that too, exposing like like the media. I mean, I would say the media is probably one of the biggest problems in this country. Absolutely. And th- there's plenty of evidence of election fraud if you if you look for it. It's out there, but the media has been covering it up, and they're right. the reason half this country is brainwashed. So I mean, they've been saying it, they've been saying it, but like I said, if Trump would have made the reveal or, or stopped Biden from taking office on the twentieth, would have been a civil war, partly because of the media. But now we're at a point, we're getting closer to a point where people are questioning the media. Constantly. I mean, they've lost grip on pretty much every narrative that they had control over. And so I think there will come a point. I don't think it's going to be Trump coming out like, I mean, as funny as it would be or as awesome as it would be to see Trump come (laughs) forward and reveal this evidence, I don't think it'll be him. It'll have to be kind of a neutral third party like the the military, somebody from the military saying, hey, this is what happened. We have the proof. It's undeniable. I I don't know. But um, I kind of just want to go out and be like, I've been president the whole time. Yeah, gosh, watch everybody's heads explode if that happened. Yeah, I'm just waiting for him to like tweet one of my, or not tweet, I guess he can't tweet, but in a statement's like, hey, you should go read Devolution, you know? (laughs) That'd be ideal. I don't think we're quite to that point yet. I know. Hopefully soon, though. Wait a second. So, you, not to go too far off track, but you have uh, started getting some heat from like the mainstream media, right? Wasn't there uh, like some sort of Newsweek piece about it? Yeah, so there's um there, there's I've had two articles now that I've seen. One was uh, from Mike Rothschild. Oh he, yeah, of uh, course. He, I think it was in the Daily Dot or something. This is like a month or two ago. He, he wrote a hit piece on me, but it was kind of funny when you read through it. He's like, some he, you know, Patel Patriot says this, which I guess is actually kind of true. And then he says this too, which I mean, that's a little far fetched, but it's actually kind of true. Like he kept listing stuff that was trying to like demean what I was doing, but it was actually kind of proving, uh, I mean, me to be accurate. And then. Um, a couple weeks ago, gosh, who was it? I don't remember who it was. Um, but somebody wrote something about me having a Patreon account and they were trying to essentially get Patreon. I mean, they, they try to tie me to Q with everything. Yes. But well, they, I don't talk about Q at all. I have they, a lot of Q followers and it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, I think that you and I, we've talked about this on your show before. I think that yeah. we're both um, pretty much the same about that. The thing is that the media calls everything that they don't understand Q. Like yeah. we can make, I mean, Devolution is a the work you did, and I've told you this one on one before, but uh, the work you did is a very uh, well documented and well sourced deep dive into something that many of us have believed for a long time is occurring. You have given yep. form and structure and validity to all of that, and they don't like it. Right. So the only thing they can do now, none of these people, none of these bloggers for mainstream media websites have the uh, intellectual heft to actually dismantle devolution in an intellectual way. Right. They can't go in and disprove and document uh, a, a proper refutation of devolution. So instead, what choice do they have? They can either ignore it altogether, but eventually it gets too big and then they have to address it. So rather than ignoring it for too long, they'll begin attacking it and trying to smear you, you know, so that no one will ever look at it. That is always the goal. Convince all of their audience that it is toxic and dangerous to look at (laughs) your stuff. Dude, dangerous. It's dangerous knowledge. Everybody run and hide. Well, that's what, it was <laughs> Run crazy and hide. Patel's <laughs> Substack is coming our way. 
Well, at at the end of uh, Mike Rothschild's article, that's like essentially what he said. He's like, how long before the latest Q thing that turns violent and calls for insurrection across the country? Something crazy. Like, I've never said that once in in anything. But, I mean, they try to make me seem like some, you know, violent type of guy. It's just, it's crazy. Apparently, apparently it doesn't matter how much we emphasize nonviolence. And more importantly, this isn't just like a philosophically nonviolent kind of thing. It's yeah. literally like we don't need violence because we're right. You exactly. Know? And our rightness, our faith in that rightness is what lets us know, hey, you know what? It's going to be a rough ride, but we've got this. And yep. that's the page I've been on for the entire time, and I know it is for you as well. <clears throat> Yeah, no, I'm I'm completely at peace with everything, which I know seems weird, but that's what in writing the the Devolution series, that's what I've what I found is peace. I mean, I'm so confident that Trump has this and and he's coming back that I don't really worry about anything. It's just a matter of when, you know. And do you um, man, I'm now just asking all these questions that I didn't expect to ask. That's fine. Do you think of uh, Donald Trump as the initiator of all this as the mind behind it or is donald trump a piece of a much larger puzzle i know that you've probably seen the jerome corsi speech that a lot of uh q followers will point to jerome corsi basically makes the case for q that the that a group of military leaders in our country over time has been getting more and more disillusioned with the direction of the country. They are concerned that the constitutional Republic is being broken down and our country is being handled, handed over to the interests of uh, globalists and central bankers and whatever else. And that they were going to uh, start a legitimate military coup to take over the government of the United States of America. But instead they called on Donald Trump to, run for president and eventually get all of this to this point that it has been planned out for that long. So do you, do you ascribe to that or do you think that Donald Trump kind of hatched this idea on his own while in office? You know, here's the thing. So I I like to deal in, in facts. I mean, I I don't like to speculate on too much unless I can completely back it up and that's a tough claim to back up. But, but but what I can essentially, what I've seen, and I've even wrote about this in, in part 10 is this, the military and you know the, the white hats you could say have been looking at what obama was doing in his you know his presidency and you know that you got uranium one and all these scandals sure. lots of stuff that were i mean objectively compromising national security right and, and you can see how that would upset them stuff like benghazi i mean there's you have mike flynn who was the uh, the head of dia during benghazi and then uh, a guy who i believe is a big player in devolution Christopher Miller, he was in the Pentagon during Benghazi. He would have given the order to stand down to all the special operation units that were on standby there, right? So, I mean, I, I think there's definitely merit to the, the theory that um, people in our military were upset with the direction of the country. And, you know, Trump definitely couldn't have pulled off something like devolution by himself. There would have had sure. to been, you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't know whether or not they asked Trump to run or, or what, whatever happened, but um, maybe it was kind of just, uh, you know, two, two, two people on the right path converging and it just worked out this way. But um, he's definitely not in alone. This is like something like this. It's a special operation that would require a lot of uh, people involved. Um, but I don't know. There's definitely merit to that. It, you know, I, I can't dismiss it outright. It'd be just just knowing how far back some of this corruption in the in previous administration goes. But but I don't know. That's that's a tough question. 
Isn't it interesting that um, the conversation that we're having right now, when certain sorts of people listen to it, like if Mike Rothschild was listening to this, for instance, we yeah. would be conspiracy theorists. And that's fine. I mean, that phrase doesn't bother me at all. We are literally theorizing about about a conspiracy. So in a technical sense, it is entirely true. But here are some other uh, conspiracy theories. Um, Russian collusion is a conspiracy theory. The fact that Joe Biden won the election in November 20th, receiving 81 million real legal American votes. That's a conspiracy (laughs) theory. Okay. There are a bunch of these conspiracy theories that when they're on that side and don't attach to any provable reality at all, they're just called the news. Like this is just the story that we're all supposed to believe. And they will tell us over and over and over again until we believe it. The transition integrity project is a conspiracy theory. In fact, it is a collection of conspiracy theories that has just been used to lay the narrative framework to coax people into believing a whole bunch of things that absolutely are not true. Absolutely. No, you're so right. I mean, who gets to decide what, what's true or not i mean it's whoever's got the loudest microphone i suppose you know so that's what's been unfortunate about this is the mainstream media is controlled by either left wing and they've i mean they've they've silenced us the big tech has censored us and so they make us look like yeah we're conspiracy theorists but we're really not i mean how many of the things that we've been talking about for so long have come true yeah i mean most of it (laughs) of course it's just a matter of time yeah and yes true and just definitionally on it it is just such a a weird way to try to insult someone like why not just go after the claim and prove to everyone that the claim is false i mean it must be easy right like we are just a bunch of crazy lunatics who don't know what we're talking about we're a bunch of uneducated rubes we don't read we have no idea what the (laughs) other side thinks oh wait that's the other side yep they don't even consider that any of this stuff might be true. They don't take it seriously. They just tell everybody to ignore it. Well, wasn't and so it, it's easy it, to marginalize. Wasn't it CNN at one point who, I think it was, um, I'm pretty sure it was CNN. They were like, you don't have to look into these Clinton emails. We'll, we'll look into it for you and tell you about <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what they do. They just, yeah. they, they're spoon fed their news from the, the media and they just take it at face value and, and don't do any due diligence into it. It's just insane. It's incredible. Okay. So I know you have to leave. Something came up. You have to take off. Let's stop here. We'll do this as a part one and we'll just yeah, we'll wait on this. And yeah, we'll, we'll hit the rest of the, uh, transition integrity project yeah. in a part two. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before, like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. 
It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcouture.com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time out on the range. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofi. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!